absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome, podcast patrons, to episode 27 of Leave the Pin In. I'm Dan. This is my buddy, the pride of Ireland, Scott. Scott, oh, what's the good word? Ah, uh, don't you know, an Irish eyes are smiling. Scott, uh, they're smiling today, potatoes. buddy. That's, that's all I got. They are sure smiling today. Scott, I'm going to go right off uh, the start with this. The Open Championship is rigged. Uh, see, here's the only reason I'm going to say it's not. Because Shane Lowry is Irish. And the Irish and the British do not get along. Right, but but the troubles are done, Scott. They signed the, mm. the Friday Accords. Like, everyone's won now. Hmm. You know what? You might be right. I'm just going to sit here and drink my, my Arnold Palmer, and I'm going to agree with you that it's rigged. Your Guinness Palmer. Mm. Ah, maybe. All right, that, might, that might be for after the show. Maybe. Uh, shout out to, <laughs> to Shane Lowry. I mean, gosh, what a dominant performance. I mean, honestly, let's be all serious now for a second. He won this tournament on Saturday, Scott. This man destroyed the course in pristine conditions on Saturday and was able to hold everyone off today when the weather turned. I actually, yesterday afternoon, I started a text to you that I ended up not sending because I got stuck up doing something else and I forgot about it until this morning. Um and it was pretty much, we could probably just record now because Shane Lowry is pretty much definitely going to win. So you, that was yesterday afternoon about 2.30. Yeah, you and I have been watching golf for the better part of 20 plus years, which was acknowledged uh, this week on a Facebook post that your sister put up, um, mm-hmm. showing us at your 21st, 18th birthday party uh, with golf clubs in our hands. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that putter you're holding is like seven iron links, too. So (laughs) So maybe I was Bryson before Bryson was Bryson. Um, Well, I think that there's a a 100% chance of that. Or maybe I'm just short and it looked like a seven iron length in my hands. Yeah, well, I'm going for golf, so (laughs) you never know what you're going to get. So... What I thought was crazy, you know, look, there was no drama this week. Well, that's a lie. There was no drama this weekend at all after Saturday, right? So Sunday was was almost drama-free. Part of me, Scott, almost wanted him to get caught up in the, in the, in the rough and in a bush here or there or something to just inject a little bit of life into it. But as he started rolling to 13, 14, 15, and the wind died down a little bit and the rain stopped and he started hit, just striping these shots and putting shots on greens when no one else was hitting greens this weather... I started to really kind of appreciate the four rounds that he put together. And one of the things that struck me was his caddy, who literally looks like him in 30 years from now. They're like spitting yeah, images of each other. It's like that like face-app. Like they just did that for him, and that's his caddy. Yeah, it could that, that <laughs> app and, and the uh, media attention it got could not be more apropos because that is him in 30 years. Like, when we look back and he's playing the Champions Tour, he's going to look like his caddy does. But his caddy was, like, congratulating him stuff, you know what I mean? And he was, like, in the middle of the fairway on 18, and he kind of not lost it, but he almost broke down right then and there. And then realize, like, you know what? I need to make par. Let's get out of here. Finish this correctly. Um, and then just seeing all the people waiting for him. It was like a Ricky Fowler party, but with the European contingent. Right. Um, was Ricky there? I, I, I didn't catch the end because <laughs> no, we were Rick, doing something. Ricky and, was not there for him. But uh, gra- uh, gra- Well, here's the thing. He, he was in contention, so he was around. So, I, you know, I almost wondered if he was going to stick around or if it was just like, all right, Ricky's the last one done. Jordan and JT are already on the plane, so let's get out of here. Yeah, Graham McDowell was there. Patrick Harrington was there. Uh, his parents, his brother, his sister, his wife, his kid, and then a contingent of other uh, team members, et cetera, et cetera. But, look, he seems like an awesome dude. I remember, you and I remember him from when he burst onto the scene at the World, uh, at the World Golf Championships match play back 
when it was the good match play style, back when it was a yeah. bracket of 64, none of this round-robin BS. And he was the last man in after somebody bounced and I believe beat either Rory or another number one seed as the 64th seed. That was the first time that I recall seeing Shane Lowry, and that has to be eight, nine years ago now. Yeah, give me a minute. I'll find that for you. Yeah, look that um, up. I could be lying completely, but I know it's something like that. But what I thought I, I'm was, pretty sure you're right about that. Yeah, I'm going to mess up dates and stuff, but I'm pretty close. Uh, what was cool, and I thought a little bit ballsy of the RNA, is they had his name etched on the trophy when he was in the 18th fairway. Mm. I know he had a five-stroke lead. I, yeah. I know it was only 185 yards he had in. I mean, but Jean Vandeveld, Scott? I, that, I always think about that uh, whenever someone's kind of like marching towards victory, like, and it's a sure thing, and it's just like, yeah, it's definitely going to happen. Oh, wait, there was that one time it didn't. Right, and that was the most spectacular collapse in probably all of golf history. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, in terms of collapses. Right. I think, I mean, that's definitely bad. The Spieth one from the Masters where he put the ball in the water on 12. Ooh, that was tough. That one was bad. The the Rory Masters collapse where he shot, I think, 82 on right, Sunday. Right, but, but the Vandeveld happened on the last hole. Yeah, exactly. Like the man needed to hit 7-iron, seven 7-iron seven wedge, two putts, and you walk out the champ, but instead, we get Paul Laurie as the champ that year, right? That's the uh, year yeah. everyone went into the playoff, and Paul Laurie wins. Yes, you're correct. So that was the 2013 uh, match play. He beat Rory in the first round. Okay, so I was um, right. I was just two years off. Yeah, he actually made it to the third round. He lost to Graham McDowell. Um, oh, in the third round of that one, McDowell ended up losing to Jay Day, who lost to Kucher. That was the Kucher Mayhem year where it got delayed because of snow in Arizona. I remember that, and they were throwing snowballs at each other. Yeah, and I remember they were playing in Arizona in crazy winter hats. Like Kucher had like the titleist like winter cap with the pom pom on top. Yeah, that's they, they were at Dove Mountain back then, right? Yeah. You know what else I yeah. remember? I remember when Mahan used to be a golfer. Uh, he made the cut of the barbasol. Yeah, it's it's also. I guess you na- could say he needs to shave a few more strokes. You <laughs> <laughs> get it because barbasol makes shaving cream. Yeah, the shaving cream classic is uh, is L- going on L- as we speak right now. Literal, literal Scott. Joe. Literal Scott. I love it. Um, all right, so Scott, I think this is probably a good time to play our first voicemail we got. This sounds like it comes from a younger listener. Uh, let's see if we can play this for the people here, okay? Oh, what do we got? Hi, Dip here. What are your thoughts on Tiger missing the cut? What are your thoughts mm. on Tiger missing the cut, Scotto? Uh, well, young lad who I probably never met before, um, here's, here's my thoughts. Um, I think the Masters took a lot out of Tiger. I think the fact that he has proven himself and he can do this again maybe kind of kills a little bit of that competitive fire. And I don't think he really felt like playing a whole lot of golf after that this year. So I think he needs to get himself right and then come back next year and see what happens. So the one thing that troubles me, Scott, is when after the second round, he says, my body hurts, I don't feel well, I just want to go home. Uh, Like a defeated man, like a a 10-year-old, you know? Like, I just Mm. want to get out of here, I don't feel well. Um, I personally, with the amount of money that he has, I would love to see Tiger ditch every sponsor, plan on playing eight events in warm weather climates, things that are going to benefit him, courses that are going to benefit him, and then do that for the next four or five years. Um, We have been more than lucky with the amount that we've gotten to see Tiger 
you know, uh, let's call it like post Tiger 3.0, because obviously you and I were around from the get go, you know, from the um, from Hello World. Mm-hmm. I mean, even before that, from the US Am Championships, we we watched. So we've gotten the best of him. We have gotten beyond the worst of him. And uh, you know what? Honestly, right now, I don't think he owes anybody anything. And if he wants to try to get to that magic 18 number or surpass it or get to that 82, which the tour is still hyping up, uh, do you. You know, go on your schedule, whatever you want. So I agree with everything you just said, except for him needing to drop all the sponsors. Because I think Nike, which has stuck behind him through all of this, would be cool with him being like, I'm only playing eight weeks a year. And I can be like, okay, fine. Whatever. Um, and I think that they'd, they'd be down with that. Yeah, it's not necessarily the sponsors I mean to hmm. drop. I, that's, that's, that's worded wrong. It's, it's the, okay. um, the sponsor connections, the, the, the needing to be at this outing, the needing to meet with uh, okay. these clients. All the, of like the, the appearance yeah, the things that you right. Yeah, okay. all, all the sponsor commitments. The, hey, Tiger, mm-hmm. we need you for two days to shoot these four commercials with Bryson. You know, I mean, like all that stuff that he was able right. to do when he was young and gallivanting across the world, you know, and, and pulling hair and slapping whatever uh perkins waitresses had to offer that was fine you know you're young you're virile now the dude's 43 44 years old what's he two three years older than us i think he'll be 43 in december okay 43 so like all that stuff catches up with you you know i would like him to say hey i'm playing twice in june I'm going to show up tuesday wednesday for practice rounds i'm not playing pro-ams anymore don't ask me I'm coming in, I'm going to do my job, and then I'm leaving. I'll give you your press conferences, I'll give you your media requests, but as far as anything else, that's it. Like, I don't need it anymore. I'm here just trying to win. Yeah, he doesn't need to be doing photo shoots for Bridgestone anymore. Right, and like, and I get I get the money that Bridgestone paid him. Like, I understand the Nike money, and it's insane, and, it, you know, it, it pays for the privacy yacht and everything else for his kids, but, I mean... You gotta think that even with the divorce and losing 150 mil to his wife, that the dude's pretty well off. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, he could never make another dollar from golf and still be fine. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got significant investments. Um, I, I'm sure that restaurant's profitable. I'm sure the the golf course design business, which is still something that's kind of like getting off the ground at some point will become a profit maker for him. Right. You know, and that's, and him, you know, he's not actually out designing those courses. Probably. He's just attaching his name to that. That's it. He shows up on site. They take a picture. It gets hung in the clubhouse. Everyone's happy. Yeah. He's got a guy who's taking care of that for him. You know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, again, I don't think Nike would drop him. Maybe everyone else would, but yeah, I think, Doing that, like I'm just going to play eight times a year, the four majors, the Memorial, and three other tournaments that I decide I like, why not? Right, right. So, Dip, to answer your question, uh, I'm a bit upset that he missed the cut, but honestly, not surprised. Uh, I'm only surprised because in my head, he's still Tiger Woods, and he does inhuman things. God, Scott, that's the hardest thing to let go of, isn't it? Tiger. It's the hardest thing to let go of. When you have a picture in your mind's eye of someone at their peak, I mean, that that is the dilemma every top athlete faces. When do you leave the game, right? Like, who's left the game on top? Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... uh yeah, I think every, I feel like a lot of people do kind of stick out that one last year, and then they end up not tarnishing their legacy. But if you really look at it, you're like, wow, that was probably one year too many. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Like, uh, you know, I'm a Philadelphia 76ers fan, so you know, 
I don't like Allen Iverson so much as a person, but I love the way he played on the court. You go and look at his last three years and the teams that he's bounced around from, from the the Nuggets, I mean, when he got traded, uh, to every other team that he's with, and you're like, Allen Iverson played with those teams? Right, yeah, exactly. Because you don't even remember it because that's not how you remember him. Right, right. Tim Duncan, that's another guy that went out on top, you know, his way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but I actually, I it took me a little bit to even realize he was actually retired because I just thought he was going to play forever. <laughs> uh, speaking of Allen Iverson, yeah. Um, I, I, can I change topics a little bit? Uh, it's your podcast, buddy. Do whatever the hell you uh, want. <laughs> beautiful. So going off uh, with Allen Iverson, um, what do Allen Iverson and Brooks Kepka have in common? Allen Iverson and Brooks Kepka have in common uh they both never won an open championship <laughs> true <laughs> um they also both have the same opinion about practice scott <laughs> we you you we here talking about practice like not a game scott <laughs> practice like i'm out bleeding for my team during a game and you here talking about practice practice yeah, Brooks Kepka this week tells us that for regular tour events, he doesn't practice. He only practices for the majors, and there is nothing more Brooks Kepka than that. Yeah, um, he, 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 yeah, he said, when you see me on TV, that's when I play golf. I, I love how he has just given up the fact that the press is never going to view him as like a shiny, happy person. And he just steered right into it. And he's like, you know what? I can be as arrogant as I want. Nothing's going to matter. Yeah, it is, it is literally my favorite thing in golf nowadays is what will Brooks Kepka say at his press conference? And I'm telling you something that's funny, Scott. This year, this summer, for my own personal golf, I've gotten into a mindset when I hit a shot of I don't care anymore. Lee Westwood said the same thing. He's done the same thing. I started it first, Lee. Okay, let's just get that straight. But I stand you on it. You still have as many major championships as Lee Westwood. So. For sure. And basically, I did the same thing he did this weekend. Uh, Although I technically would argue you have one more than Lee Westwood. Ah, this is very true. Club championship does count <laughs> and weighs pretty heavily in the golf lexicon in uh, the annals of golf history. Hmm. So regardless if it's like a wide-open fairway, tree line, I step up to my tee shot, I swing as hard as I can, and I just don't care anymore. And literally, Scott, it has freed me up. I don't worry about score. I'm scoring better than I have in the past. And, like, that's Brooks Kepka. He just doesn't care, except for four times a year. Right. Exactly. And I think that's a, it's a great way to, one, go about life, and two... Uh, obviously it's working for him. I mean, it's, I think you'd be really hard pressed to be like, yeah, he's really got to get out there a little bit more. Like he just hasn't had a whole lot of success. I, the only question I, I, I would have for him. And if he plays at the Wyndham championship, which I know he won't, I will ask him in the press conference because, uh, I don't know if I told you Scott over and over and over, but I'm going there as media. Hmm. Um, but I would like to ask him, when you're at the range on Monday of a quote-unquote tournament in which you don't practice, what are you currently doing? Isn't that practice? Or does he view it just as a warm-up? And if he does view it as just a warm-up, why not just run? Why not do a light lift? Why not bike or something? Um, you know what I mean? I think secretly, yeah. Scott, I think secretly... He's working on some things. Uh, it's one of those, like, um, you know, like, uh, he wants to be that cool guy who doesn't care, but he wants us to know he doesn't care. Right, but but secretly he's studying for the test behind everyone's back, and then when he gets the test back and gets a 98, he's like, whatever, dude, I didn't study, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, yeah. Again, I mean, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Everyone is kind of playing a character a little bit. And that's maybe the character he's decided to take on. Well, it's funny because you know I like professional wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. 
And in professional wrestling, every single person to a man or a woman will tell you that the character you see on screen is literally me. It's just turned up to a thousand, you know? So Brooks, in terms of the media perception, that's how Brooks is. Like, Brooks is a bro. Like, my wife this weekend was sitting watching it with me, and she's like, he just looks like he's ready to, you know, like, play cornhole with a dip in his mouth and, like, have a Coors Light. Exactly. Like, that's Brooks. He's just a bro. He wants to go out on his boat and go jet skiing or tubing, come back, uh, have a barbecue, you know, throw a lip in, and uh, hit some golf shots. Pound down some Mick Ultras. For sure. And, uh, yeah. So Scott, tell me. Uh, and he and he and he's earned the right to live that life. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, there's nothing against it, you know. Um, and look, everyone plays a role, and he plays his pretty well. Now we didn't yep. t- we didn't talk about this guy last week, Scott. We purposely left him out because it was the overriding story coming in to this Open Championship at Royal Portrush. But uh, give me give me your thoughts and ideas on. Rory's very quick week. Um, you know what? I think he maybe has hit kind of like the the Phil streaky status, where when he's going good, uh, I mean he's basically unbeatable. But those weeks are going to be maybe fewer and far betweener than they've been in the past. Um, and I think there was a lot of pressure on him this week. To perform, I think he wanted to play well, and he just had a, a tough day on Thursday, and you know tried his best on Friday to make the cut. But when you set yourself, you know, back so far, there's only so so much so much you're going to be able to jump ahead. Yeah, I and, mean, he was he was dead from the start, the first tee shot, yeah. dead. Yeah, and you know what? Is it the the internal OB maybe like a little bit of a silly rule? Sure, but it is a rule, and he hit an iron. Like he should be able to get an iron in the fairway. Right, and again, it's everyone knows that rule. It's like DJ at Whistling Straits. You know, I didn't know it was a bunker, dude. It was plastered everywhere. Like there were signs in the locker room. We know you saw them. Everyone knows there was internal OB, and that's the best point, Scott. The dude who has been number one in the world, multiple major winner, hit an iron off that tee. Yep. So no excuses. I I definitely think the home match was more difficult than an away game for him. And uh, I I do. I think, think, honestly, you saw somebody crack under pressure. Kudos to him for coming back and fighting his butt off on Friday. It was fun to watch, and it it threw a little bit of uh, um, energy into that broadcast. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that was as good a round as I think anyone played pretty much all week. I mean, other than obviously the, the round Larry played yesterday was crazy, but that was pretty darn good. But unfortunately, like I said, you dig yourself that deep a hole, it's going to take you a lot to climb out of it. And, you know, even shooting 65 is not going to be enough to climb out. Yeah, I'm going to give you a take, Scott. I think Lowry's round yesterday. Saturday round at Royal Portrush was just as good as Tiger's Saturday round at Torrey Pines U.S. Open. Okay, I'm going to give you another one. Okay. Uh, so, and this is, you know, like a little SAT analogy. Uh, Shane Lowry's third round or Kepka's first round in the PGA this year? Ah, uh, Kepka's first round only because, and hear me out, only mm-hmm. because Kepka was the wire to wire leader. That round for Kepka at Bethpage won the championship for him. You know, so it can right. be argued. Now, granted, he, Lowry did pull away, um, but today's round, you know, you're going to look at the numbers. And history is going to, you know, wash over some facts. But you look at today's number, what do you shoot, 74 or 70, 75 or 70, yeah, what do you shoot? 
72. The 72. Okay, one over in today's conditions when every single person blew the hell up. It was was just as impressive. It didn't look as good as yesterday's round because of the number, but I think in terms of sleeping on the lead, knowing that you could have gone full Vandevelve and you didn't, uh, mm-hmm. was impressive. So he had a very impressive weekend. You know, I'm going to say his overall tournament was more impressive than Brooks at Bethpage, but Brooks' first round literally won the tournament for him. If Brooks would have gone even par all the way through, he still wins. True. Yep. Okay. That's fair. Um, uh. I want to just last. Uh, I think it's the last thing I want to talk about for the open. Nope. There's one other thing, but it's in, in our tour pros messing up segment. Um, every single old head media member was making a big to do about Eric Van Royen's pants. Did you see them? Yeah, uh, they're like they're little like ankle pants, like joggers, right? Yeah, they were joggers, but not like the crappy material. Like they were nice microfiber material. Um, yeah, I thought he wore them with classy shoes. Kevin Tway has done it before. There's a bunch of Euro guys that do it, and I heard such ridiculous comments um, as "No man will ever win the claret jug wearing pants with his ankle showing." Um, I heard another one. Won't he get cold in this northern Irish weather with his ankle showing? Just the stupidest stuff mm. out there. But Grayson Clothers, who makes all of his mm. clothing, right? They make nice stuff. They make some great stuff, uh, some edgy stuff. But, you know, look, so does RLX from Polo and so does Jay Lindbergh. I mean, there's a ton of golf companies that make some different stuff out there. Uh, they must be loving this attention right now? So, I, well, first of all, I think that's one of the reasons they have him in them. You know, I don't think he went to them and said, yeah, yeah, make me a pair of, like, you know, ankle pants. I think they went to him and said, hey, would you mind wearing these for one of the rounds of the Open Championship? And he was probably like, yeah, sure, whatever. They're kind of cool. It's different. Um, and I think now, because it's something that's in the media and getting attention, that brings attention to them. So I think they're thrilled with it. Um, he's not the first person to wear pants like that. No, like I said, Kevin Tway wore it all during the fall series. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ricky wore joggers at the Masters one year. He just wore it with high tops. Uh, No, he wore those at Bay Hill when he first debuted the first Palmer high tops. But you're right, he wore them as well. Yeah, and then I want to say like like Martin Keimer or someone else wore them, like another European guy. Sure, sure. I mean... Because because it's just a style of pant, like whatever. Like it doesn't bother me. Actually, I'm looking at it. It's kind of cool. I I couldn't get away with it, but... If you have the body type for it, which he does, why not? Right. I mean, and but to hear announcers still talking about it on Sunday, I was just like, you know, Shane Lowry's out there dominating this championship like no one's done in mm-hmm. the last 10 years, and this is what you're hung up on. So let me ask you this question, Scott. Would you rather have a clothing ensemble like Eric Van Royen did or would you rather be with one of those clothing monopolies like Nike, where every single Nike athlete wore the same exact shirt almost, just on different days? Now, today, uh, it was very prevalent with the Tommy Fleetwood black and white shirt that had the all-over print with the little golfers on it. Tony Finau wore that yesterday. Um, someone else wore it on Friday. Like, it's just... It's so annoying to me to see an athlete on Instagram post, oh, here's my scripting, Mon- uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The next athlete posts it, here's my scripting, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Same exact clothes, just in different order. Yeah, they all, at some point, all the Nike guys, obviously with the exception of Tiger, because he does the hell he wants, um, but they all wore that white print, which did have golfers and stuff on it, but I think it also has like some, like, Forest, like some Irish forest is depicted on there. Um, yeah. I just, I don't like the fact that we, as a multi-billion dollar company, cannot have creative people around to, to dress our athletes. I mean, it's just, I know it's about selling the product, 
and getting it out there mm-hmm. every day on TV. I get it. But I myself, if I was being sponsored, I'd much rather have a small clothing house design my stuff. Oh, totally, totally. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're giving me the choice between that, that shirt, I'm sorry, not that shirt, those pants and the Nike shirt, I'll, I'll take the pants. Especially because everyone else is wearing the shirt. Exactly, exactly. And, and I honestly, and I, I don't like that shirt to begin with. No, I wouldn't purchase it. I don't like it. I did like the Rory shirt with the washing machine on it. Did you see that? The polo? Yeah, that, that's cool. You know, those, those little, like, you have to know golf in order to understand um, the concept behind it. I like, I like that premise. Yeah, I like that. I like the, the Tiger Woods Frank polo. Yep. Um, yeah, anything that's, like, kind of like, you know, like, huh, that's a little different. It's a little odd. Um, people who don't know, don't know, but people who do know, know. Exactly. Exactly. And if you know, you know. That's it. Uh, last thing on the open, Scott, we got our, our last voicemail of the day. Um, this Ooh. is, this is about the human rain delay. And, and I used the hashtag this weekend. I even sent it to you, anyone but JB. So let's, let's take a listen mm-hmm. here. Hi, it's JB Holmes here. I want to know what, I know you call me slow, but I want to know what will make me do have a faster pace of play and if there's anything you know send me a dm on instagram at jb slow thank you scott i'm not sure that's jb holmes well, oh i'm sorry i fell asleep uh wow um i think it might have been because it took forever to get there um no you're right it's probably not jb uh, i'm pretty sure jb has a you know a little bit deeper of a voice um, cause he has a beard and I feel like that, that's, you know, automatically screams deeper voice. Um, but yeah, you know what I thought was really interesting about JB Holmes playing slow today? Um, there was, and you probably saw it on Twitter also, there were numerous like reactions from Brooks Kepka about it. Like at one point someone tweeted out that like Brooks just looked over at an official, pointed at his non-existent watch and then over at JB Holmes. And then there's another video where he's like hanging out and like kind of has his arms crossed, like he's really annoyed, and then just walks off the green while JD Holmes is still plumb bobbing. It definitely lived up to expectations. If there was anybody in the world that hates slow play and people that he feels are not athletic enough to get things done quickly, it is Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. Um, you want even another reason why Shane Lowry's third round at the Open was so impressive? Why is that? He played with J.B. Holmes. Mm. So that's true. most people would say, well, that's a real detriment playing with J.B. But when you're the last group and you can, you know, walk around and shuffle around out there as slow as you want and there's no one behind you, I feel like maybe that was actually even a positive for uh, Shane on Saturday. And the weather was gorgeous. I mean, you literally just had to stroll around the park. But at one point, Scott, they were two and a half holes behind. And it wasn't Shane Lowry's fault. Right. And that's the thing. Like, you can take your time. You can, like, line up some shots. You can, you know, maybe take a little bit longer over a ball. And ultimately, no one's going to blame you anyway because you're playing with J.B. Holmes. Right. He's he's like the built-in excuse. You know, it's like yep. the built-in homework excuse. Like, oh, the dog ate my homework. And they're like, oh, come on, man. That's not real. But when you know this kid's dog, you're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it might be. <laughs> J.B. Mm-hmm. Holmes is like that kid's dog. So it's like, hey, man, I wasn't playing slow. J.B. was. And you're like, oh, uh, yeah, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah, Exactly. All right, well, we're going to take a break real quick to get a word from our sponsor, Scotto. I'll go for it. All right, and we're back, people, faster than J.B. Holmes was able to plumb bob. Uh, He's still lining up a putt. His mound's been over probably now for at least an hour. uh, Okay, so let me ask you this. So he's probably flying private, I would assume. Um, You think, like, he's even late to a private jet takeoff? Uh, well, I, I always wonder if he shows up on time, but when he gets there, he just, you know, takes him a while to kind of get on the plane, 
you know, it's like, ah, you know, instead of carrying like a couple bags, he like goes back for each one. I want to find him like that. I want to find him at a tournament and ask him to autograph something for me to see how long it takes. I want to whip out a stopwatch and I want to time him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, like, um, you know, tells the pilot, like, you know, we're ready to go in about like, you know, an hour. And I was like, um, like we could go now. And JB's like, nah, nah, I gotta unload all this stuff. <laughs> My pilot's like, uh, we'll, we'll help you. Nah, I'll take care of it. And I'm like, still going. And the pilot goes out there. JB's just like hanging out on the tarmac, like trying to like figure out where the bag should go, like lining it up with his eyes. And the pilot's like, can we go? Like we're burning fuel here. I don't know. That's the way it goes in my head. Uh, you're probably not that far off from the truth, Scotto. All right, my man. It's time for Tour Pro's Messing Up segment. We got a bunch this week. A lot came out. A lot of people messed up, Scotto. Mm. Um, hey, obviously we talked about him already. I mean, I'd put Rory in Tour Pro's Messing Up. Uh, we mentioned the, the OB, which again, kind of a quirky rule. But you get that at these major championships, especially at the Open, where crazy things happen, like you can play the ball from the practice range. Right, right. You know, that's, that's just the way these things are. These clubs have been around forever. They have these, like, weird traditional rules, and they play by them when the Open's there. So play by them. Yeah, you can't you can't commend a course for being quirky and love its quirks, but then complain about its quirks when it doesn't go your way. You know? Yeah, it would also be one thing if it was like, oh, I've never played there before, <laughs> but dude set the course record when he was sixteen. Yeah, so. he probably wishes he had that round in his back pocket today. Oh yeah. All right, so, so two two people that actually messed up. Um, two stories that came out of the open. Uh, the first one was with Kyle Stanley. Kyle Stanley's playing with Robert McIntyre. Um, I'm not sure what hole, but Kyle Stanley blows a ball into the gallery. I mean, wide right. You know, think Florida State field goals back in the day. And so wide right, it hits a person in the gallery. Now, Kyle Stanley does not yell for, and it turns well, out... It's it, a good thing you didn't know the person who he hit or, like, no one in the group was related to her. Right, until you realize that the person that was hit was Robert McIntyre's caddy's mom, or as he would say, mum. So they get, they get into a little tiff, and Robert McIntyre is basically like, dude, you yell four every single time. And Kyle Stanley comes out in the media and says, look, man, I don't need to be schooled on the rules of golf. I know what I'm doing, and I do it my way. Um... I'm thinking Kyle Stanley's not a dude that I'd like to chill with. Um, so the way I immediately respond to this, and the more I read about it, the more right I think I am, is he is one of those, like, I'm a tour pro. I hit my ball. If you happen to be standing in the way, that's your problem. I don't need to yell for There's plenty of people around that can do that. So I don't have to open my mouth, and I can just stand here and be annoyed at myself. Yeah, the self that's all that matters for the four and a half hours when I'm playing this round. The, this four and a half plus. The self entitlement was just oozing from him in his statements. Exactly, and that's and that's exactly the way I took it. And the when he interviewed about it. He just confirmed that that is exactly what was going through his head. Right, and that's a dude who, even if you were able to sit down with him and be like, hey, man, look, like I'm not yelling at you or anything, but this is just how it is. Um, I think you, know, you probably should have said four. I realize you didn't, um, and we can kind of give you a pass, but in the future, and then forget it. Like He would hear that, and the dude would blow up because he's just you know, probably a pompous ass and has been given everything in his life. Yep, that's exactly the way I read it. And that's exactly the way it comes off when he talks about it. Um, he, like he, he he didn't even like try and be like, yeah, you know, it was a bad shot. It was stuck in my head. I'm really sorry. He just like, he just steered into it again. And 
yeah, why should I cry for? Someone else will do it for me. Yeah, and like I'm cool with you being honest because there's so many fake athletes out there that you know issue apologies and all that crap. Um, but this is one instance, dude, where like everyone you talk to knows that you're wrong. Like, I don't think there's anybody aside from another whiny tour pro that would agree with the fact that if you blow a ball moving 160 miles an hour into a crowd of people who might not be able to see it because it's a blind shot that you should yell for. Yeah, exactly. All right. Now you, you mentioned, you know, the, the tour pro inside of his own head and he's being the only one that matters. And I think that plays really strongly into that whiny tour pro mentality. Um, Scott, I don't like to say this, but there might be a tour pro that I'm not really a fan of anymore. Xander Shoffley got caught, or at least tested positive, for playing a non-conforming driver. Now, this is the first one that the, that the uh, RNA came out about. Xander says that there's at least three or four others that were non-conforming. Only 30 people out of the field were tested, which I think is BS to begin with because totally agree. there could be a bunch of other non-conforming ones out there. Now, I don't think it was his fault. I don't blame him because he's not measuring the coefficient of restitution. He's not Bryson. But his reply was, I'm a tour pro. This is between myself and the RNA. I don't think the RNA should have made it public. I think they should have came to me. They should have hid this. No one should have known about this. I mean, the sense of entitlement this weekend just reeks. Yeah, this one I'm kind of back and forth on. Because, you know, again, like you said, he's not, his job is not to measure the coefficient of risk. Restitution. Right. I, so is, he, is, he a, is he a tailor-made guy? Yeah, it looks like it. No, he's Callaway. Callaway. Okay. Yeah, no, I do he's not blame all, him at all. A, he wears all Adidas, so it's still in my head. It's the same thing. Yeah, not, 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 they're not married yeah, anymore. It's different. Yeah, that, that broke up. So, yeah. So it's Callaway's job. Oh, it says it right here. Callaway. If I would have read. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those, like, hey, dude, like, we, we, ch- we checked. This is no good. Just don't put it in play. Right. End of story. Yeah. And and, and that can be it. Um, but I, I'm cool with the RNA saying who's playing, you know, non-conforming drivers if they're testing everyone. But they didn't. Yeah, to do a randomized yeah. testing is is nuts because it's not done every week. Now, if every single week, 52 weeks a year, they tested 30 random drivers, then everyone's going to get tested. But the only time they do it is when they do an RNA event like this. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm on Xander's side on this one. I just, you know... I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going all in on him. Yeah, I, I um, I don't blame him whatsoever. It's just the fact that the way he came out, that he feels like, you know, it should only be between me and them and they should have swept it under the rug. Like, you know, look, dude, it it happened. Own up. It's not your fault. I mean, I definitely don't think it's his fault. So to come back at the RNA and say like, look, man, this is your fault. No, you, you go like this. Hey, look. How the hell am I supposed to know that the COR was too high or whatever it was? Like, I'm not product testing this stuff. This is the company's fault. Deal with them. Simple as that. Walk off, play your championship. Yeah, the thing that I, and the, what kind of pushes me down uh, being on his side with it is the, the whole aspect of, you know, now he's publicly, you know, being labeled a cheater. Well, right, and and what he was pissed about is he's chipping on the on the practice green, and someone loudly yells to him, "Hey, how do we know your wedges aren't illegal? You know, how do we know they don't have square grooves?" Right. And and yeah. look, like, and, and he he doesn't need that nonsense. He's he's out there trying to play. He replaced the club in question. I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm going with him on this one. I mean, that that's the cheating moniker is very difficult to get away from. People still yep. yell that out to Vijay Singh. Sung Kang 
might never cheat another day in his life or argue for another drop another day in his life and people are still going to call Sung Kang a cheater. I mean, it's just, it's the one thing in golf that you can't be called, you can't even skirt around the topic. I I mean, forget about golf, all sports. I mean, how many jokes are there about, you know, Tom Brady and underinflated footballs? Yeah, but you know what? I mean, let's be honest. Games like baseball and football and hockey, I mean, you're, you're trying to cheat. Uh, who, who's, who, who's the moron from the Yankees, the pitcher with the pine tar. And, and then two weeks later, he comes right back with it, like behind his ear. Remember that the reliever? Uh, I do remember that, but honestly, baseball and me are, you know, I, I've been over it for a long time. I don't remember any of that. Gosh, I can't remember his name, but anyway, the Yankees reliever and someone will leave it in the comments for us. We appreciate, but the Yankees reliever gets like cautioned or warned. And then he either comes out like the next inning with even more behind his ear or the next start. Like it was like dripping off of him. It's just insane. Um, you know, but those sports, it's almost like, Hey man, like, you know, as long as they don't catch me, cheating's okay. Like remember back in the seventies, all the, uh, football players used to spray spam on their uniforms and their arms. They were harder to Mm. tackle. You know, I mean, it's, it's all stuff like that. You know, you look at George Brett, look at Sammy Sosa. Um, I mean, look at anyone during the steroid era. You just do it until you get caught. But in golf, in a game where you're supposed to police yourself, I think it comes tenfold. Right. All right, Scott, let's... Yep. let's uh, yeah, totally. we, yeah, we got to move on to the corn tour because we're going a little bit long. The corn tour is in Nebraska, Scott. It was 111 degrees on Friday there. Uh, that's warm. A little bit. Yeah. Um, our boy... Uh, who actually, Scott, spoke to over the weekend a little bit, Byron Meth, um, made an albatross on Thursday. He is now four shots out of the lead, sitting in third. Today's been a big rain delay. They had three different restarts. And then friend of the pod, Stephen Eim, is sitting at six under par, tied for 13th. You got to get that pod bump. Well, the pod bump came. It was just one week too late. Yeah. You know? Ah, well, right now our boy Lanto Calrissian Griffiths is in the lead I for Griffin. S- I know. Christ- uh, Christopher Ventura has gone downhill, and Tyson Alexander, uh, our buddy Mike Creed's uh, young steed, is sitting in tied fourth. So we have a lot of people that we know sitting in the mm-hmm. top ten right now of the Corn Ferry Tour event, which is the Pinnacle Bank Championship presented by Chevrolet in Omaha, Nebraska. It's only 74 degrees today there. Went from 111 on on uh, Friday, Thursday or Friday, to 74. You know what I like about this event? It has two sponsors. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, it, there's two other theoretically bigger events going on, and this one has two sponsors. Do you, do you think, do you think that the, the Chevrolet is like a local dealer? Like a local a local Chevy dealer, yeah. <laughs> like Chevy maybe. of Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, well, Pinnacle Bank's probably like a local like Omaha bank too. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Let's uh, let's wrap up with some things we like. You got anything this week? Uh, things that I like. Um, I honestly I like waking up in the like early in the morning. And just kind of having some golf to watch. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? I, I, I do enjoy it. I mean, I remember when my daughter was born, she'd wake up pretty early for a bottle, and I'd walk downstairs on the weekend with her, you know, feed her and watch, you know, Euro Tour coverage at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, because, you know, it's always exciting to see, you know, the the random, like, Euro Tour event when they're in Spain or something like that, and... You can watch like an hour of coverage and just kind of chill. Yeah. You know, the fact that this is, you know, recognizable and people that you know and it, it's significant and it's, you know, on at 6.30 in the morning and you can kind of sit and have some coffee and just kind of relax, watch some golf before the, the day really starts, that, that I really like. Yeah, it's always been a, um, 
first off, it is my favorite championship of the year. I must say that. Um, I would go, I know people think I'm crazy, but I would go this U.S. Open, Masters, and then PGA, which is far different than most people, but you, I love it. It's always you put been the U.S. Open ahead of the Masters? I do. There's, there's, there's something Ooh. about the, you know what, you know why? It's because of the different courses they play. And not that I don't love Augusta, but I like Fair variety. Um, now, look, if you told me I can only watch the Masters for the rest of my life, yeah, I'm cool with it. You I know? And if you told me I can only watch the Open Championship for the rest of my life, I, I'm not sure I'm down with that. You know? Because the right. courses tend to blend into each other over time. But, it, it, I mean, since I was in high school, it's always been a tradition for me to wake up early, set my alarm, I sit for two, three hours by myself and just become engrossed in the golf. It's it's my most heavily watched major. Um that and the Masters. I feel like I watch the most hours total in those. Um but it's the one that I'm I'm I think most deeply engaged in when I'm actually watching cuz there's no other distractions. You know, what else is going on at 3:30 in the morning? Right. In Nothing. the middle of the summer. Right. Um but- so I'm going to agree with you. That's what I had down as, as things that I like. Um, but I'm also going to go with hometown kid winning. And I know it's not even the home country, you know, of him being from Ireland as opposed to Northern Ireland. But someone that grew up four hours from there, uh, someone that everybody pulled for all weekend. Sometimes, Scott, it's just nice for the people to get what they want. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm cool with that, and and the Shane Lowry win was was definitely what people wanted out there. Um, Scott, let's finish up with a few of our sponsor things, and then talk about what we got going on in the next week or so. Uh, first off, obviously uh, sure. f- follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, both at Leave the Pin. Okay, uh, we want to give a shout out to Life of Par Golf who won our first ever giveaway, which was the Open Championship giveaway sponsored by our newest sponsor, Mulligans Golf. You can find them on mulligansgolf.com and mulligansgolf on Instagram. Uh, Also, check out trainonmain.com on Instagram as well as online. And Dan from Train on Main, who I've played golf with and you have as well, and I know you gamble in golf leagues with him. Uh, Dan and I just played last week at Architects Golf Club in northern New Jersey, put some stories up on Instagram for that, and Dan is going to actually join me at the Wyndham Championship and do a little media, maybe be uh, be my scribe, if you will, Scott, and uh, videographer. Yeah, I think that's going to be cool. I wish I could join you, but I'm going uh, on vacation. Um, so having said that, I was telling Dan before we started recording, uh, you know, I'll have some golf-related activities, uh, while I'm on vacation, no actual round of golf, but I'll be doing things like playing miniature golf with my family and hitting a, like a recreational putting green. And, uh, as I do that, check the Instagram and you can check out Scott versus, you know, this miniature golf course or Scott versus the putting green behind the hotel. See, It'll I'm, be fun. I'm very happy that we're getting more Scott versus, uh, inanimate golfing objects. I like that. I, mm. I think maybe Scott, I would like to see like Scott versus Flagstick, like maybe in a boxing match if it was really windy one day. Why would I be doing that with a Flagstick? Because I'm just going to leave it in. <laughs> well, right, but it's left in and the wind would blow it back and forth, so you'd have to bob and weave and try to knock it out. Hmm, interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, you know what? Next time I'm out in the wind... I will try and get some video of me fighting a flag. Love it. Love it. All right, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Be good.